0: Hi, I'm John Oliver Mason, poet, novelist, media consultant, community and labor activist, author of Soldier of the Cross, and a hell of a fun guy at a party. And you're listening to The Left Skate, The Shape of Progressive conversation.
1: I'm Wendy Sheridan and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hello
2: and I'm Robin Renee. Welcome to episode 151.
1: It's special today because we're in the same room.
2: Yeah, that's not too common. It's really no, nice to so, see you.
1: Yeah, and I just, I'm warning our, our listeners in case there's spurious noises that I can't edit out this time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Activities of the podcasts
2: or. Are oh god else. I didn't even think about that <laughs> that's all right well in this episode I interviewed John Oliver Mason about his work as a writer organizer and activist but before that it's another why is this awesome so I will tell
1: you about some of the great concerts I've been going to this fall and I'm looking forward to that mm-hmm. and in the meantime you can find us on social media on Facebook Instagram and x Twitter at Leftscape.
2: That's right. And please do help support our podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. We post exclusive content there and you can join us at patreon.com slash Yeah.
1: Well, I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving holiday. I finally woke up from my turkey coma. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
2: Yeah. I had a small vegan Thanksgiving with friends basically family you know I also had a basement flood <laughs> so <laughs> it was tempered by you know yikes yeah it's always something weird but I had also had a good gig Last well, uh, good on Saturday night so it oh, was awesome. nice excellent. to play I haven't been playing live in a while so excellent excellent yeah
1: yeah all I've been doing is reorganizing my basement so it's not exciting except for people who are discovering like oh I forgot I own this thing <laughs> right which is good i was almost going to buy another one of uh, another tool and i opened a box and there it was from the last time i decided i needed this tool and i had bought it and never used it so
0: right right ah
1: saved myself some money
2: <laughs> and uh, overall my my weekend it was a net positive it had it's, oh, had its adversities but it was all good in the end
1: <laughs> so what did you learn this past fortnight
2: i learned that i I fell in love with a little dinky doggy named oh. Shiloh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I've mentioned him on the show, but I adopted a dog that was Mrs. Cuffs, who passed in September. And, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes I remember why I have Shiloh, and it's sad. But mostly, he's become quite a joy. It's funny. It's like nice. he was this very. Manic, noisy little yappy thing that I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, you know. <laughs> and you know, I guess you you figure out what mutually works for everyone and what helps him not be panicky and triggered because he's very, you know, a nervous dog. But he's much less so now. In fact, I'm almost like, are you are you a cat now? Are you <laughs> are you a Zen master? Like what happened? Well,
1: (laughs) it's also, they, I I think dogs kind of, they kind of mirror your own emotional state. Yeah. And, you know, and you're a very chill person. Yeah. So, you've chilled the dog down. (laughs) I guess I have.
2: But it's fine. So, we, you know, we go on pretty decent walks every day and uh, just hang out. And he's pretty much friends with my cat now, you know. (laughs) They're, They're a little, they have a little bit of a truce. He's more... Rando wants to be better friends with Shiloh than Shiloh's quite ready for, but I think they're okay. They're, they're cool. going to be yeah. Cool, it's, cool. it's nice. Yeah.
1: So well, this fortnight, I learned that a blue whale's heartbeat can be heard over two miles away. Is that by human ears or whale ears? I think it's because also water is a really good sound conductor. Yeah. Yeah. I think a whale heart is a fairly massive organ. Yeah. The blue whale is, I think, isn't the blue whale the biggest creature that's ever lived on the earth? I mean, it's bigger than the dinosaurs. It's bigger. Or, or is it the biggest mammal? I forget now. It might be the biggest mammal. I've heard that. Yeah. So. I mean, I remember seeing the model at the at the Natural History Museum that, you know, walk under it for like forever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We can't put it off any longer. This is now we're going to get into all of the news we can handle. So Hamas has released hostages during the ceasefire, which, as we're recording, is still happening and it may be extended. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for that. Fifty-eight hostages have been released by the Palestinian militant group Hamas over the first three days of the truce. 13 Israeli women and children have been freed each day per the deal's terms, along with varying numbers of other nationals, including citizens of Thailand, Poland, the Philippines, and Russia. Mm -hmm. And I know one of the links to The Guardian has little bios of each of the Israeli hostages that are freed, and, and a very good number of them are children, and I am glad they're home now yeah
2: yeah i was i was hoping that that truth would hold and
1: well i hope it continues to hold yeah me too
2: and uh
1: i don't know i hope i hope that things can get worked out and people can just live there now and not kill each other that would be really nice
2: that would be a good thing i was i was watching a david pakman video this morning and he was talking about the you know, the complications of the, of the whole situation, but how you can think about it in terms of you can look at like overt anti-Semitism that's happening and know that that sucks and is not okay. And also, you might also think, you know, uh, occupying Gaza is not okay. And you can talk about those things and understand that the government is not the people. Yeah. And nobody wants the people to be killing each other, you know, and And,
1: and it's it's
2: complicated, but but you can, but there are ways to access all this information and
1: talk about it. And I think the mantra, the government is not the people, is very important, especially, you know, our prior administration and who knows what's going to happen in the future, you know, Yeah. because I remember going to another country during the younger Bush's administration and it's I basically say, Yes, I'm American, I didn't vote for him. That was like that was my introductory sentence to people. So (laughs) and I don't want to have to keep doing that. (laughs) Exactly. And I guess that kind of dovetails into my next piece, which is donations to the GOP have dropped the Republican National Committee disclosed that it had only $9.1 million in cash on hand as of October 30th, the lowest amount for the RNC in any federal election commission report since February of 2015. This compares with about 20 million at the same point in the 2016 election cycle, and about 61 million four years ago when Trump was in the White House to contrast that the Democratic National Committee reported having 17.7 million as of October 30th almost twice as much as the Republican Party with one year before the election and I'm hoping that's a sign you know I, this is because of the big donors haven't been giving them as much money and the small donors have there've been fewer smaller donors
2: right and you mentioned that you some of some of the donations might be just going right into Trump's pockets with like yeah. various yeah, that's yeah, Trump scams
1: going. Fun, Trump could be funneling that money into his own coffers, right? So. But I
2: am, but I am hopeful too that I know that some of the bigger donors are like they're over Trump, and yeah. they're not excited about any of the other ones either. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> that's that could be a good yeah, thing. Fingers crossed. Exactly, exactly. I was amused to. Discover that George Santos went on a three-hour online rant this weekend, <laughs> where he has been—he he, well—he solidified. If he—if it was only likely before, he really solidified that he's going to be expelled <laughs> from Congress, basically. So if he's going, he's going to go down in flames. I that... I guess so because go big or go home, go big and go home. Exactly. <laughs> I, I I don't even know that I can enumerate all the many frauds he had going. It's like, I can't even keep it straight in my mind or whatever, but it was enough to piss off Congress enough. And I think, I think maybe he was pissing off donors. Like if he was just an asshole and was voting the way they wanted, he probably would stay, you know, but he really overstepped and overstayed his welcome it seems. But he got on X, X spaces, I guess it's called now. Is that a live video thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he, said he was saying things about his colleagues like they're they're they're, they're a bunch of frauds and a bunch of uh, felons and some of them are sleeping with lobbyists and some of them I mean like, he really like put a lot of shit out there I mean obviously he doesn't speak truth so who knows what's no, true or what's not bad. but, but uh, well who knows I mean it's just it's just pretty funny
1: so he's basically throwing everybody under the bus. He was
2: throwing everyone under the bus <laughs> and saying, like, well, if I'm going to go down... Uh, he called Y'all himself,
1: coming with me. Yeah, he <laughs>
2: called himself the Mary Magdalene of Congress. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, it's a little... It, it's pretty funny.
1: I can't wait for him to be gone.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's good for late night comedy, but he's not well, good I, for I, anything. I, you know... In this, you know, I, I know we maybe had... somewhere he has a good heart. I don't know, uh, who knows? We don't know what his name is. You're,
1: you're too kind. <laughs> you are much kinder than I would be. So that's going on. And what's going on in Trump world these days? Trump world.
2: The only thing that I've really followed up on this week is that there was a te- there was a stay on his gag order in the New York case, the New York civil case of hmm. uh, the fraud trial, but. Joyce Vance, who was the one-time federal prosecutor, was saying that this really should be reimposed, uh, mainly because there's so much, since he was starting to, he was saying things about the clerk, Mm -hmm. Judge Engeron's chief clerk, and there have been 275 single-space pages listing all of the threats that has come in for that clerk. So, you know, Joyce Vance was saying, like, this is, this guy needs to be made to be quiet i don't know how they're gonna do that yeah i mean i i don't know but right now there's a there's a hearing about the gag order i think coming up this in a few days or something like that so maybe that it's it looks i guess they were saying it looks likely that it should be reinstated based on what has happened yeah since it was i've
1: now got a a visual i have an image in my head of of him wearing like the mask that the guy had in The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, God. So he can't talk. Oh, scary. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know. Yeah, how how you actually enforce well, it's, Trump not you, saying you anything.
1: You know, it, it's like when he violates it, it's basically he has to pay money. And, and that isn't a punishment for people with a lot of money. It's right. just an inconvenience. Right, right. So... Maybe his
2: maybe one of his lawyers maybe are competent grown. enough to talk some sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being too generous. <laughs>
1: again, again, you're being too generous. <laughs> That's right.
2: Well, another lawsuit that I've found intriguing is apparently Hall versus Oates.
1: <laughs> oh, that wasn't a gag. I saw I saw something go by on my on my feed. And I didn't pursue it. I thought it was like a joke. Yeah, no, it
2: sounds like a joke. But no, apparently not. Daryl Hall had, has gotten a restraining order against John Oates. <laughs> and I was like, is Oates tr- like going to his house trying to beat him up? Or what the <laughs> hell is going on? Because <laughs> it was all under wraps. Like no, n- it, nothing was being spoken about it. And now they've released some of the information. And what basically it is is that Paul is attempting to block... Oates from selling his share in their joint venture to primary wave music so he wants to sell out or sell it out or something
1: and he doesn't want him to and I yeah I can yeah that I would want that too because I don't yeah I get it
2: yeah it's an interesting I mean I don't know it's it's very I'm intrigued by them weirdly I guess they're like Philly you know home people so it's I find them interesting and they have they're part of the whole yacht rock lore too. So <laughs> they're kind of in our in the universe that I hear about. And I didn't
1: know they were from Philly.
2: Yeah, they're from Philadelphia. Okay. I want to spend another fall <laughs> in Philadelphia. It's like it's probably <laughs> my favorite fall song. But anyway, so what's going on? Oh, so Hall has made it very vocal that he said, "Oh, if you think." Oates is my creative partner. He's not. He's just my business partner and saying things like that, like on TV and everything. So I'd be kind of, I might want to get away from him too if I were, like, I don't know the whole story, but I'm feeling a little bit closer to Team Oates based on some of the things that Paul was saying. (laughs) Anyway. Wow. Who knows?
1: Yeah. But if you give up, if, if you give up if you sell this to yeah. this group then your music is you don't you you basically lost control right. about how your music is used exactly yeah so <laughs>
2: it's uh, that's not great yeah for sure so i don't know it will be interesting and mildly entertaining to see what <laughs> see what happens with them i'm just glad that it wasn't like a physical like oh it's just showing up with like a knife or something. <laughs> i was like that's just too too surreal oh, no. so anyway hopefully they'll figure it out or something will figure out what else we have some good news oh some good news is that sometimes wildlife photography is is funny (laughs) and wins awards (laughs) so the yes the winners of the comedy wildlife photo contest are in this contest was founded in 2015 by paul joinson hicks and tom sullam both professional photographers and conservationists to create a fun and free-to-enter photography competition that's unlike any other. So there were 5,300 entries wow. from 85 countries. Wow. And Jason Moore from Australia won with his Air Guitar Roo. And if you want to see a really great photo <laughs> of, <laughs> of a kangaroo playing an air guitar, we will put the link on, yeah. on, the, on it, our site. <laughs> the,
1: the, the link is has a bunch of the pictures like that one and and some other ones they're all amazing the guitar playing kangaroo is freaking the air guitar guy it's obvious that it's playing the air guitar it's hilarious yeah and then the second picture i guess that was the runner-up is this one bird with its wing out looking at two other birds and it looks like he's giving them directions <laughs> it's just really funny yes and they're all really great pictures very cute stuff
2: I, I have a friend who competes very seriously in air guitar contests <laughs> like people travel worldwide to compete in air air guitar like i didn't okay. know this well, was a thing until i guess I made, it's
1: it's like you know, it's like following um, them you know the drag lip sync yeah yeah it's basically performance yeah you know it's pretty cool yeah well, I that's all the news he, I can handle. Yeah, that's all the news we're handling today.
2: <laughs> Catch a new wave with Save by Zero on Radio PBS, independent internet radio from Melbourne, Australia, now Thursdays at 7 a.m. Eastern, and again to start off your Sundays at 12 a.m. or Saturday night at midnight if you prefer. Join me, your host, Andrew Genus, and take an hour-long dive into new wave, post-punk, progenitors, and permutations. Save by Zero, Thursdays at 7 a.m. and Sundays at 12 a.m. on RadioPVS.com.
1: Why is Well, welcome to Why Is This Awesome? And in today's segment, Robin is going to explain why all of the the concerts she went to this summer and year has been awesome. Yeah, it has been awesome. I have,
2: I I think I was just away from going out or going anywhere for too long during during COVID, so I've been making up for lost time (laughs) in recent times. And this Ball mainly, there have just been a string of gr- of great shows that I went to see. So, yeah, I started out. I saw psychedelic furs okay. in September with Squeeze, and that was very, very cool. And I it was one of those things where I've never. I mean, I like Squeeze, you know. I never like went to see them specifically on purpose. I saw them years ago opening for Bowie, and that mm-hmm. was great. And they were on the, like a co-bill. I think each night they were like switching who was opening, who was playing first, who was playing second or whatever. Psychedelic first were fucking fantastic. (laughs) And I just think Richard Butler's voice was just really, really wonderful. The the thing that's sort of bittersweet now is that Mars Williams, the saxophonist, just passed away this past week. Yeah. Wow. And I feel very honored to have seen him again, so yeah that that feels special now especially and yeah and squeeze was great and they i i've just been rediscovering maybe not maybe not rediscovering but really just actually discovering their lyrics mm. and they are in, more interesting and quirky than i ever paid attention to I think you could <laughs> say so that's been kind of fun to, cool. think, to think about that 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 was a show though where i was sort of well I think it was like maybe five days after Mrs. Cuff had passed or something. So I was not in a great space, but it was a great sort of escape Okay. to see that show. And it's interesting how much emotions of the the time like really kind of play into how I experience music, you know. But that was, yeah. So that was sort of, that was an interesting time. (laughs) But it was good. It was a great show. Then... I did a bunch of other things, traveled to Arizona and back. And about two days after I got back from Arizona, I saw this was actually the concert that I was waiting for all year and couldn't mm. believe actually happened. I finally saw the Chats. <laughs> and the Chats are an Australian punk band. Okay. They're, they were basically, when they started out a few years ago, they were basically kids. I mean, they were like high school kids or something like that. And the thing I love about them is that it's, really authentic punk like sometimes you hear things that are like well it sounds like a fourth derivative of punk rock or something and it's uh-huh. fine but it's not like really what I personally would actively listen to on purpose and the chats just I just fucking love them they're so funny and they they, they do have like the sort of humor side to punk and are also they're really growing into they're growing into themselves too okay too, in, in, in their stuff they're what else could I say about them Oh, I get to learn all kinds of Australian slang <laughs> you know that's the one thing like between like the that that's that's the cool aspect of it where I'm like wait what does that mean like their first big song was called Smoko okay and it's like that's like your smoke break you know okay. or work or whatever so it's like I'm on Smoko so leave me alone I'm on Smoko <laughs> you know <laughs> so like funny to like... <laughs> that's hilarious it's it is yeah they're funny all the way through really What else about them is cool? Oh, their album, their current album is called Get Fucked. So they were on the Get Fucked tour, and that's the giant banner behind them that they're playing. Oh, that is awesome. So yeah, it's just they're they're funny, and they were on tour with three other bands, all of which were great. Cosmic Psychos is another. They're kind of like an old, original, old school punk band. They're like you know, so they were on their fortieth anniversary. Well, that sounds
1: like a more original punk band name yeah <laughs>
2: yeah yeah so and I did a show on my uh Saved by Zero show where I sort of featured all all the bands that played that night so I will I could put a link in this so people okay. can check them out cool. and everything but just the fact that I actually saw the chats live I was, <laughs> I'm still like wow that really happened you know when <laughs> I look at the pictures back uh at that so that was that was cool what happened next oh Depeche Mode so that of course was awesome but because of all of my crazy travels I was actually sick when I saw that show so I mean I got there I was chilly and wanted to be under blankets but I did I, you know I finally saw them because I actually had tickets I'm so mad at this actually my friend had tickets for Depeche Mode like in the day back in the mm-hmm. day and I guess I just had to be A goody two shoes or something, because I had, I guess, an exam coming up. Oh, and I just I couldn't get myself to realize that I could. I just said, I just don't think I can go to the show. I've just got to study. I've got to stay in. I've got to do this. You know, I don't remember at all what what class that was. (laughs) If I if what was the difference between an A and a what? I don't know. I wouldn't want to fail the test. But if I did a little less good on that (laughs) test, I probably wouldn't matter today. But having seen Depeche Mode in the 80s would have been fucking amazing. (laughs) Like, what was I thinking? But, you know, you don't think that at the time. You know, whatever. Maybe I could have thought it. but So I regretted never seeing them live. So I'm glad I finally got to do that. Yeah. And my cousin who loves them was saying, like, he's not all that enamored with how they are today. But having never seen them, I think they were great. So I don't have a comparison. But I think that they were I don't know. There's so many sort of old school bands that are excellent. I mean, people can make fun of the Rolling Stones, but they're still like consummate performers. If you see, I haven't seen them lately, but I saw them like in the two thousands. Right. Just, you couldn't really criticize them except you just, if you want to say they're old, that's fine, but they are great actually. Uh, Yeah. I mean, right
1: now everybody's bitching because they're, because of the AARP ticket, like AARP members get first dibs on tickets for the Stones tour. Oh. And everybody's like going, "Why is that? It's like there that's old people stuff." And I'm going, "I keep telling everybody, well, that's the demographic now." So, <laughs> you know. Wow. That was very smart of them I, to to <laughs> everybody's joining AARP to get Stones tickets. Oh my god. That's funny.
2: <laughs> it is a little sobering. <laughs>
1: But but it's not surprising actually if you think about it. For a I mean they're all like I mean with the the picture of I guess it was Keith Richards he's seventy seven, yeah.
2: So. And, and yeah Charlie was the oldest he passed away a couple of years ago I guess, and I can't remember the name of the person who's taken over but it was he was he was handpicked by Charlie Watts mm. he said he wanted him to, to okay to take over for him. So I mean I because I wouldn't have felt good about the Stones continuing with without. Like a true blessing from Charlie like that. So that's kind of cool. I don't know. I have feelings. I loved him. It was cool. But I didn't see the Stones this year. They're coming up. I, I, do I have to join an A or a P to see them? <laughs> nope. I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, 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 might be have, I might be happy with having seen them once. I don't know that I have to go to another Stone show. Well, that would be great if like a ticket fell on my lap. <laughs> that would be awesome. So what other shows do I want to talk about? The big one really was seeing Nick Lowe a couple of weeks ago. Mm. He performed at Colonial Theater in Phoenixville, PA. Okay. And so that,
1: that's a kind of a smallish venue, right?
2: Yeah, it's not It's not too big. It's a nice, It's it's a great size. It's like an old vaudeville... Places. kind of
1: because i know there's a bunch here in new jersey there's the one in in red bank yes yeah like the count the count, count basic theater so like that it's, it's like that, that kind size. of theater yeah yeah and it's a know, nice venue
2: it, it, it is a very cool venue and the good thing about that is if you're like a crazy fan like me, <laughs> age and play a long game you really can eventually meet everybody and get to talk to them and hang out and everything like that i, I actually met Nicolo years ago because he knows and has worked with my producer for the All Six mm. Senses CD. So like there's like that connection, whatever. So I wound up talking to him like back in the day, but I was, <laughs> I was with a certain person who really kind of acted like a jerk and embarrassed me in front of him. <laughs> and so I always felt like I had to rectify that situation. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy. I'm happy that he would have had no memory of that. Even though it plagued me for all these years, <laughs> and I got to, I sort of hung out by, but yeah, it's a pretty simple setup, so it's easy to see where the tour yeah. bu- vehicles are and where well, to hang
1: out. There were a lot of pictures on your Facebook that night.
2: Oh well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I had because I had to post on the Save by Zero yeah. site, and uh, you know, he's still he's still my what do you call it profile picture, but oh, okay. I have to take that down eventually because it makes me too like fluttery when i when i should be thinking but (laughs) but but no but i love his songwriting and i just i just do you know and and he's gone through a lot of phases with it but i think one of the great things about the rick things about good songwriting is that it can be performed by different people like i mean he's costello has performed his stuff he's produced some of the most seminal punk rock Mm. that ever happened he's also had songs covered by Johnny Cash. She's <laughs> songs by, you know what I mean. It's like really a gamut of, of 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 creativity. So I will be planning to go to more Nick Lowe shows because I haven't seen enough. I oh, I actually saw in the summer. I did go to see Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe opened for him, and I was like, that was not enough Nick Lowe. I have to <laughs> <go> see. <him." laughs> so I'm glad I got to do that. Cool. Yeah. And then I just recently went to see The Fix, and that was this past Monday, at the Keswick Theater in hmm. in outside of Philadelphia, in Glen Glenside, PA. And they were good. And that's another band that I had never seen live. Where it was a funny thing, like it was one of these days where you are just randomly sitting around thinking about something, and you just Google something, and I was like, huh, The Fix. I haven't thought about them in a long time. I wonder what they. I wonder if they're still doing anything. And I Googled them. And they had just played in new hope like two days before that oh, man and i was like what <laughs> oh my <laughs> god you know so that happened and then i was like all right i really i want to go see this band sometime and they they came around during the pandemic and i had tickets for that and then it was like i just wasn't ready to mm-hmm. be in crowds and i was like "Shit, well i'm not gonna go and luckily the band that was opening for them canceled so they gave people opportunities to get their money back for the tickets if they wanted them, and so I was like, all right, I'll just cancel it out this time. So I'm glad I finally got to. See yeah. Them. And they sing the theme song "Saved by Zero, was their song. So, <laughs> so I videoed the the whole song of oh, them cool. doing that. So I got to post that on my my group for the for the for the show. So that was cool. So I don't know if I have one single. I guess the the highlight of the whole concert season was was seeing Nick Lowe and getting to to chat up chat him up a bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after the show. So I will probably I think that's it for this for this season. I don't need to go to more shows. I'm going to try to keep my head down and not notice that things are happening because <laughs> I don't just money wise and just taking a break from being too much peopling. Yeah, you know, but but it's good to be seeing things again and also performing again. Mm. I, I just perf- played in Harlem Park, New Jersey with an old bandmate and Sharif Hobley. Cool. And I'm so it's, yeah, music is in my world again and it feels good. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent.
0: One more time before you wake up in the wild
1: your eyes, I see your flower slowly dying. Together with the Nature Conservancy, you have the power to make a difference. For unspoiled nature, for beautiful wildlife, and for people everywhere. Together, we can find a way to ensure that all life on Earth can thrive. Natural world needs us now. Every day we lose more lands, waters, and the wild species that depend on them. To learn more, visit nature.org today.
2: Well, I am very pleased to have John Oliver Mason here in the Leftscape studio virtual studio. (laughs) John Oliver Mason is a freelance writer and has written for newspapers in the Philadelphia area for 30 years, covering such community-based events as town watches, school boards, community associations, labor issues, and demonstrations. He has written for magazines and blogs as well, and he is an advocate who specializes in writing about people in the community who are empowering themselves to make their communities better. He's a poet who is breaking into fiction a media consultant, and a longtime community and labor activist. So, I have heard John read out and about in the city and in the area, and I'm looking forward to learning more about his work along with our audience. So, welcome.
0: (laughs) Glad to be here, Robin.
2: Yeah. You you do a lot of things, I know, and I know that you've written a lot of poetry. Would you mind sharing a reading with us to
0: start? Uh, Not at all. I got this one baby called the idol it's been there forever to honor a man who else we must praise for what what did he fight for who did he kill how do how do we benefit from his killing why do we worship him is he so wonderful if we take him down what happens let's do it and talk about it see that one is about the, you know, uh, the, the whole movement to remove uh, Confederate monuments from public squares, like uh, commemorating uh, Confederate generals, you know, got people who took a oath to defend the Constitution of the United States, but they rose up to try to overthrow the United States. Mm-hmm. And why should we commemorate traitors?
2: That is a good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That is a question that we are asking a lot right now, for sure. Yes. Absolutely. So that actually brings me to the next question. I would love to hear a a bit about your origin story. You know, how and when did you acquire your desire to write and your connection to writing? And also, has that been always connected with activism and advocacy?
0: Of course. You have to make a stand for things. My writings... My development as a writer started when I was at Temple University. I moved there in September of 81 from a little rural township upstate around wilkes And of course, in in a university, you do a lot of writing. And I started writing for the campus newspaper, the Temple News. And I'm proud to say that I wrote the best op-eds in the temple news. Most, my favorite target of, of attack was the religious right movement, how how these religious uh, fundamentalists uh, tried to corrupt the uh, political system to their advantage, like getting their people elected to office and trying to imp- implement their rather skewed interpretation of the First Amendment on on the rest of us. And from what I found in so doing, in trying to corrupt our system, they have been corrupted by digress. The mm-hmm. And then later on, at the end of the 1980s, I wrote in earnest for various local weekly newspapers in the Philadelphia area such babies as the Philadelphia Tribune the papers in the star group like the Northeast like around the the Fairmont area and the art museum area the Mm -hmm. Northeast breeze the Germantown Courier the uh, Mount Airy Times and the Bristol pilot I wrote about all that stuff and I was hoping to make some sort of career out of journalism but I have to I still pursue it with my blog and I and uh, I and I work as a I get work as a freelance journalist and media consultant and also and like I said I have my uh website johnomason.com. and mm-hmm. another and my various media projects include my podcast, the Talk Walk with John Mason, the the Mason Moment. That's my YouTube channel.
2: Yep, you're getting ahead. I was going to ask you all those questions, <laughs> but but that's good. That's 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 great stuff. So it's been a long time that you've been writing. Oh here, yeah, obviously, oh, yeah. you know, since since the beginning. So how has it always been connected to? Politics and activism for you? Oh, definitely. It's a, definitely an important piece of it.
0: I'm very passionate about the social situation, social and political situation in this country. Like, first off, first off, in May of twenty-eight, two thousand and eighteen, I like to break. I got my master's degree from the Labor Center of the University of Massachusetts Amherst, and it is a it is a serious. Accredited program. That's, that's that's not not some non-credit things. A serious uh, accredited program, and we took courses in labor law, labor in the media, labor history, labor research, like researching on a on a company, and contract negotiation, and race and immigration and labor and organizing, and i love that i, love, I fall in love with that kind of stuff and i can't wait to do that again and getting to one of my pro- projects a monthly end of the month newsletter i put out i call it the mason missile nice <laughs> it's all about personal observations what i've been up to and in commentary on the political and social scene what i try to do is give it a deeper analysis and context compared to what the how the regular news media, uh, the commercial news media uh, puts it out.
2: Is there something that you find that is particular that you often depart from in terms of how the major media presents these issues?
0: Well, a lot of times the uh, news media has been pretty much in my past examination, Examination. sorry, the the news media just seems to uh, regurgitate what the Republican Party and such entities as the Reagan administration put out and it's like uh, they don't want to offend anybody and that's been a, a problem with the mainstream media they they try to keep their connections with the with the administration with the people in power so it's not to get in trouble with them and advertisements advertisements are a huge source of income for media as you know and mm-hmm. and they don't want to offend advertisers and but what i do is in my uh, news analysis is uh, how did we get to this uh, point how did uh, it become like this and I try to get deeper into that, not d- dwell on superficialities. And, and sometimes the news media always repeats these phrases, that like a template with them that they that they all re- repeat on some during a news story, like uh, like white working class, and they repeat those and law and order, and get the government off our backs and. Right. no big government
2: buzzwords yeah
0: buzzwords yeah that's the word i'm looking for and it's like in orwell's 1984 is like limiting thought and i want, want people to expand their consciousness so they can understand the problems we're up against and get together and deal with them
2: mm-hmm. absolutely so what are you engaged with most currently? I know that you, you're you doing a couple of different things. I think the John Mason talk walk is one. The Mason moment is another. I hear you have a novel too. So how are those, uh, yeah, what, what are sort of the most engaging things creatively and politically that you're doing you know,
0: right now? A lot of things, like to talk about my novel, Soldier of the Cross. Mm. See, it's about this guy, David Lucas. It starts out in 1978. Now,
2: and when did this come out?
0: Uh, yes, I had it out since uh, the 20s, I, uh, 2020, I believe. But okay. I published on Amazon. Got it. Oh, and yes. by the way, I support wholeheartedly Amazon work for his efforts to organize. Get myself in trouble. Yeah.
2: And anyway. <laughs> it's all good. Yes, important. Thank you. Uh,
0: okay, in this novel, David Lucas, like I said, in 1978, is a pastor in this this Baptist Church in New Jersey this nice respectable suburban church the earlier in life in the early 60s David Lucas was a real bad news guy school bully and and chasing whore, and whore chaser and drunk and he gets in some trouble in the army before the country began to be really deeply invested in uh, Vietnam and he A chaplain visits him at a stockade, and he becomes a born-again Christian. And he strives to be this dedicated, fanatical, manly man for Jesus. Which, excuse me, but I must point out that there has been this strain in Christianity in this country called muscular Christianity.
2: Yes, I've learned that term pretty recently, actually. Excuse me? I've learned that term very for, rel- relatively recently. Yes, the
0: idea is that Jesus was a big, strong, virile, he man type of guy. I heard one person, a guy on TV, said he could be a Navy SEAL, and not definitely not the meek, humble Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. And it's been a toxic strain within Christianity, but it's been propagated by various popular evangelists in our. In our history from billy sunday to billy graham and the christianity that david lucas learns in the crappy little bible college he attended in the middle of pennsylvania he becomes he's very patriarchal towards his wife very kind of sending mo- laughing at her mocking her uh, wanting to be ambitious and but he hooks up with this very corrupt state senator and and who urges him to take part in this uh, anti-gay referendum campaign. And becomes the public face of the referendum campaign that would deny civil rights coverage to LGBTQ people. At the same time, the men of his church voted to have him as the leader of the movement. He gets home, and his wife tells him she's pregnant. And it's like, it's like, like a glory hallelujah moment for him. And he turns New Jersey up and down and trying to you know campaigning for this referendum. It all turns disastrously against him.
2: I wonder if we should leave some for people to read. Oh,
0: okay. That's it.
2: Okay. <laughs> I, I love the I you know, I I I like to hear the, the premise in the beginning of your story and I it makes me feel like it's a it's a story it's a tale that's pretty close to reality in some ways, or it's or it's really sort of hearkening toward the things that we're going through culturally in this moment, mm-hmm. it sounds like. Yes.
0: I felt that my job was to portray these characters, not as cartoon villains, like Snidely Whiplash and all, but as human beings having human issues. And I have David Lucas trying, not being this, uh, sure he's a, uh, He's sexist and homophobic and patriarchal, but he's really a man trying to clean up his act from the way he was in the past. And Mm -hmm. he's, like I said, trying to be a manly, virile man for Jesus.
2: It sounds like an intriguing tale. It would be interesting to to learn more what happens to your characters. So I I have a, ahead. Okay.
0: Like I said, Soldier of the Cross, Amazon.com.
2: Absolutely, I will make sure we have the link on our show
0: notes. Uh, thanks.
2: So the question I have that I like to ask a lot of creative people is, what do you think the role of the artist is in the political landscape? Does does our work make a difference? And if so, how? And is it is it the responsibility of an artist to really engage in this way? Or is it okay to just make art for art's sake, I guess, is the Well, I'm not an question. art
0: for art's sake person. I have to get into the reality of this, of the things that we're dealing with, like this, my spiritual side and, and the things that we're up against as uh, people in the community, working people, like the idiots trying to get back into the White House, so I can mm-hmm. inflict more damage on the country. Right. And his minions, his disciples, and gun violence. I make, I write poetry dealing with real serious issues, but I try not to be propagandistic. It's not some Soviet-style prop. It's cranked out by the party. It's what comes, what comes out of me as a human being, and as an artist. It's kind of like. I'll stick my neck out here. Pablo Picasso's a classic mural Guernica, you know, is in the hallways mm-hmm. of the UN. But yes, he was a member of the Communist Party, but he wanted to show the horror of war. It came out of his heart, and and more about uh, politically oriented art. I remember way back in the eighties when I took a tour of the Philadelphia Museum of Art and i took a tour of the art of diego rivera you know the radical mexican artist mm, and I, I i got i get a glimpse of all his earlier works uh, before he got political like, nice you cute stuff but nothing that really gets you but then i get to the part where he deals with his own country his own people of uh, their lived experience, going back to his roots, so to speak. And I was really intrigued. It was only at then that I started paying attention to Rivera. That's when he became exciting to me. When, when all this paintings dealing with the living experiences of the people in his country and the culture of his country. I remember one time I was visiting Detroit. Now, I was at. I took a tour of their art museum, and they had the huge mural by Diego Rivera, is commemorating the auto industry. It was magnificent. It was beautiful. True art comes from within you, how you live, and you're getting in touch with your real people, your real culture, not glorifying it, not harkening back to some golden age from way back from centuries ago, but how the culture is, comes out of the lived experiences of of the people and how they deal with uh, the situations they face.
2: I think that is a great way to sum it up, you know? It's like art speaks most strongly when it comes from the truth and comes from something genuine within the person. That's right, I'm not making any.
0: it's not it's not any Hallmark cards, my dear. Nothing. Like
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your work and your thoughts. My pleasure, Robin. Anytime. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Robin Renee, and you can find me on Facebook at Robin Renee Fan, on Instagram at Robin Renee Music, and on X Twitter at Spirit Rock Sexy. If you're on Discord, I am there as Andrew Genus, And you can always check me out at Mixcloud.com slash Robin Renee, which is a lot to say. But just hit me up on any of those social media. I will connect you.
1: And also our show notes. You'll have a link. Yes. To your Mixcloud. That I will. Okay. And I am Wendy Sheridan, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wendy Cards, on Blue Sky at Voxwoman, and on Etsy with Wendy Cards with a Z.
2: Yes, and remember you can always reach out to us on social media at Leftscape. So until next time, be safe. Stay awesome. And, and keep left. left.
1: You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Ariel Sheridan. Web hosting by InMotion. Remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com leftscape. Thanks for listening.